0: BYU continues to upgrade when it comes to joining the Big 12. I'll explain. And also, had a chance to catch up with Isala Salatai, a guy expected to start for BYU this season. Where does he factor in along this offensive line? He'll explain on today's show. You are Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everybody? I'm Jake Hatch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, your resident BYU insider. Thank you for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. Always appreciate you guys checking out the show. Today's title sponsor on the show is our friends over at FanDuel. This episode is brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on today to get started. All right, let's dive right in on today's show and talk BYU football and also a little bit of the Pac-12 situation. Uh, First thing on the BYU side of things, I was out at BYU football practice and obviously watching BYU on Monday night was fun to actually see the Cougars back on the field. It's always good to be out at football practice and just watch guys playing. I'm a college football junkie at heart. I love watching guys compete and that that was fun to do. But I was having some conversations with folks around the BYU football program and the more I talk to people, things are very much changing at BYU and for the better is what I'm trying to get across to you guys. What I love is that BYU is stepping up to the plate when it comes to being a member of the Big 12 Conference. Obviously, there are obviously going to be bylaws and certain rules, that type of stuff, that the Big 12 is going to ask BYU to live up to. And obviously, BYU will make sure that those things are covered. But the bigger point I'm trying to make is the more I have conversations with folks connected with BYU in every facet, whether it's training, uh, nutrition, uh, sports information, uh, social media... Everything that BYU is trying to do right now is they're trying to step up and provide a first-rate experience when it comes to BYU being a member of the Big 12 Conference. It's a whole new era for BYU coming up. They're officially joined the Big 12 on July 1st, but they are already just and they've been doing this for the better part of two years and ramping up and trying to add the right people in different capacities to get BYU to the level where they feel like they are going to be able to compete. But the bigger point I'm trying to make is is that that in almost every facet I continue to hear from people connected to BYU athletics, and not just BYU football, but BYU athletics in general, is that BYU is stepping up to the plate monetarily to add folks into positions, they're creating new jobs for individuals to make sure that BYU is having every base they can possibly imagine they need to have covered, they will have it covered. And it's it's phenomenal to see, and some of you probably saw the press release from BYU, I think it came out late last week, with a number of shufflings within the BYU's athletic department in terms of uh, new promotions and titles for different people in different facets. Social media, sports information, uh, marketing, all that type of stuff. That to me is just another uh, symbol of what BYU is trying to do. They're trying to get to the level where they are going to be on par with their Power 5 compatriots. Will BYU ever be one of the top spending athletic departments in the entire country? I highly doubt that. But BYU, for so many years, and and I'm, I'm not trying to denigrate great BYU, but for so many years they took like almost a sick pride in doing more with less. But BYU I think has realized as time has gone on that college athletics, yeah, it's the the ideal of college athletics is noble. Let's be very clear about that. But in reality it's an arms race. You have got to inject money into this. And the nice part is BYU understanding what they're going into, joining the Big 12 Conference and being a member of the Power 5 playing at the top tier of college football, playing at the top tier of just college athletics athletics in general is going to require uh, significant uh, improvements, contributions, uh, just an overall influx of resources into the athletic department, and so far from everything that I can tell, BYU is doing just that, and that should excite you as a Cougar fan, because like I said, for so long, there is a running joke, we had uh, Norm Chow come on my radio show uh, for years with DJ and PK on the KSL Sports Zone, and he talked about the fact that seemingly every year he'd sit down with the athletic director, uh, and they'd say, well, Norm, we love having you here, we Wish I could give you more money, but this is all we can really give you in terms of a raise. And he said it was like almost it was like pennies, essentially in terms of a raise. And that that was just simply the the, the circumstances be what they were at that time. BYU is coming into more money than they've ever experienced as an athletic department, and it's readily known. And if it's not at this point, BYU Athletics has always been a separate entity from Brigham Young University in the sense that the university and the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints, who is their sponsoring institution. Uh, sponsoring church, what I should, whatever I, the terminology that's correct there should be. They have never contributed money and f- told BYU Athletics, here's money that you guys can work with. BYU Athletics has always had to eat what it kills. They have to raise the money that they have worked with. And BYU fans, uh, a lot of the donors out there have, have contributed heavily to BYU over the years and they're continuing to do so. But BYU is going to make 18 million, roughly 18 million, the first two years they joined the Big 12 this coming uh, uh, July. So the fiscal year, July 1 to July 1 is supposed to be 18 million, $18 million for the first two years, and then the following six years under the new media rights negotiations that have been uh, signed, uh, media rights deal that the Big 12 signed, that's a minimum of $31.6 million per the reports out there. BYU is going to be flush with cash, more so than they ever have been, and the more important thing is I think BYU is, in, in some ways, and I'm not saying they're that they're, they're taking out loans, but they are essentially borrowing against their future with regards to the money that's supposed to be coming in and doing everything they can in the ramp up, the lead up to joining the Big 12 to make sure that BYU is, has at least a, the, a baseline of having a fighting chance, and it goes into everything. They have upgraded coaching salaries. They've added multiple graduate assistants. Essentially, every position coach in the BYU football program now has a graduate assistant and or an analyst working with them, essentially an assistant coach. It's kind of following the NFL model. If you've ever seen an NFL coaching staff, they have a head coach. They've got their coordinators. Then every position coach, you've got a quarterback's coach and an assistant quarterback's coach. Well, a GA or an analyst is essentially that for BYU, and it goes for pretty much every Power 5 program out there so just be be proud as a Cougar fan that BYU is stepping up and putting money where their mouth is this is not a BYU going in there and acting like we're little sisters of the poor and we're gonna we're just gonna be as competitive as you can be on a fixed budget that, that those days are gone everything that I understand about BYU and the more like I said talking with people on Monday just gave me a, a feeling of BYU is doing everything they can to be a competitive program and stay relevant when it comes to joining the power five conference and and there are still obviously be road bu- uh, roadblocks uh, road and speed bumps along the way as BYU actually gets into the big 12 and they'll have to negotiate their way in terms of, uh, of alleviate alleviating uh, alleviating those concerns but I think that they are capable more capable now than they ever have been at any point of getting that done and I love the vision that Tom Homo and the BYU athletic department have kind of taken as they take on this new project of joining the power five it's been BYU's ambition for decades to be at this level and it's come it's come a long way for BYU but get excited for that now one other quick note on the Pac-12 side of things I didn't necessarily have enough to really do a full segment on today's show on this but it's talking with some folks uh so this would have been I'm recording this for Wednesday so this is Tuesday I had a conversation with somebody, and I went on We well, used to be Sikkim 365. It's now just 365 Sports down there in Waco with David Smoke and his crew down there. And everything I am hearing is that the the smoke around the Pac-12 right now is that Colorado and Arizona seem like the most likely two schools that would jump if the Big 12 is going to absorb any members of the Pac-12, at least in the, in the short run. I'm not saying it's going to happen. It's just something I continue to hear is that the two most likely candidates right now are Colorado. Colorado and Arizona. Like I said, does that mean that they're going to jump tomorrow? No. They very well could uh, sign a new grant of rights, a media rights deal with the PAC-12 that locks them in for the next four to five years. But expect those conversations whenever that next media rights deal ends if the PAC-12 does sign such a deal with a grant of rights obviously attached to it. Expect those rumors to persist even into the future with those programs. Uh, the bigger question will be, what is the meeting that, uh, so if you listen to this on Wednesday morning, I believe there is a meeting scheduled in Colorado. The regents are supposed to. To address a specific uh, deal, excuse me, a specific topic with regards to the Pac-12. Does that mean that they're negotiating with the Big 12 and they're trying to get a straw poll of uh, who the regions favor in terms of their conference affiliation? Nobody knows, but it sounds like according to public records law in Colorado, the the that they cannot take a binding vote on anything that happens in that meeting. So nothing concrete will happen, but I'm sure you'll probably hear some stuff coming out of that meeting, and we'll find out kind of where the wind is blowing as it continues to blow. And the other thing about this is the, the where there's smoke, there's fire. Any of these programs, Utah, Arizona State, Arizona, Colorado, any, any of the Pac-12 schools, they have to be. And, they, I mean, they sincerely have to be looking at their options. Even if they're serious about keeping the pack together, you have to look at all of your lifelines out there. The other thing uh, that uh, PK uh, talked about, Uh, my compatriot over at the KSL Sports zone he's been very adamant about this, is that if it were to come to it, BYU would be an advocate for Utah joining the Big 12. Does that mean that ultimately comes down to that? Only time will tell, but it sure seems like things are uh, continuing to roll on, and until the Pac-12 locks down a new media rights deal, I've said this once, I'll say it again, you're going to continue to hear different rumors about what's going on. Only time will tell where the chips finally fall and if the Pac-12 is going to stick together for the time being if they're going to expand and add San Diego State and or SMU? Does the Big 12 try and uh, jump the line and go out and add San Diego State in a preemptive move? Only time will tell. But the one thing I, I do like is that Brett Yormark, he is a visionary. And he is trying to lead the Big 12 into being one of those uh, conferences or a brand, in essence, that is a that stirs the drink. And obviously the SEC and the Big 10 are going to kind of lead the way in that just simply due to the brands that they have in their athletic departments and their, their, their conferences. But the bigger thing is the Big 12, yes, they may not have the name programs out there, but they can develop that. And that's one thing I think the branding that the Big 12 is going to try to endeavor to build will be really fun to watch. And like I said, Brett Yormark, this guy's a visionary. He's worked in multiple uh, responsibilities in different pro uh, entities, NASCAR, NBA, he's worked for the Brooklyn Nets. He knows what it takes to build a brand, and it sure looks like he is in uh, his bag in terms of building what the Big 12 hopefully will do. And we'll see what happens, but I'm very excited by the way, just overall uh, the tenor of today's podcast is just be hopeful and excited for BYU moving into the big 12 here. All right, coming up here in just a minute, uh, we're going to flip over, talk a little more BYU football, but I'm going to be joined by Lee Salatai, BYU offensive lineman, a guy expected to start this year, a guy that Aaron Roderick thinks has NFL potential. You'll hear him address that very thing and a couple other topics we had a chance to catch up on after Monday's practice. We'll get to all of that in mere moments. First, a word on our friends over at FanDuel. FanDuel's been a big partner of ours for some time now. The best part is the uh, final stretch run of the NBA season is here. It's also March Madness season, and you guys need to get started with our friends at FanDuel. They are a number America's number one sportsbook, and right now they're offering new customers what they call a no-sweat first bet. It's bonus bets in terms of money back if your first bet doesn't win with our friends at FanDuel. All you gotta do is just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores and threes drain. They got player props, player points, rebounds, assists in any given game, spread, money line totals. And they also have exclusive bets like a two by three, which is a two, three pointer scored in the first three minutes of a game. And the best part is you can take any of those bets, combine them for a chance at a bigger payout with a same game parlay from our friends at FanDuel. So don't miss out on the chance to get your no sweat first bet right now with our friends over at FanDuel by going to fanduel.com slash locked on to get started there. That's fanduel.com slash locked on to get to learn more now. Make every moment more with FanDuel an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. Always appreciate you guys being a part of the show. I want to encourage you guys, if you've not done so already, it's, like I said, March Madness season. The NCAA men's basketball and women's basketball tournaments are upcoming. If you want to get up to speed on everything going on in that, check out Locked On College Basketball. It's a brand new podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network. It's got everything you need to know about college hoops in one spot. Check it out on YouTube or get it wherever you get your podcasts. Alright. Had a great opportunity Monday evening to catch up with the Solitai and and folks, he is one tall human being, but he is a big hoss on that offensive line. Had a great chat with him, and it is now his time to shine right here on the Locked On Cougars podcast. You've been at BYU now for a year. You obviously transferred in from junior college. Yes, but sir. If I recall correctly, you were recruited by BYU way, way back before. when. Yes, sir. So how funny is it now, like, kind of full circle to be here at BYU?
1: It's crazy um, thinking about the first time that I did sign to BYU. Mm-hmm. It was when Kalani then first got into you know the coaching staff here <clears throat> and um, I was still in high school like playing football I try to play two sports but um, I got I got lucky enough to get a call from Kalani and they came and visited my family and like just closed the whole deal down um, but later uh, after that went to go on my mission came back um, my grades weren't good enough to get into school so um, that's when I decided to go to snow and then from there like the story is written made it back here again so it's truly a blessing. How was that experience going through the junior college ranks and then finally, like, really achieving your dream of actually yeah. being here? It's um, it's tough, for sure. Yeah. It's definitely tough. <laughs> um, I think um, I was fortunate to have a lot of you know, great friends and good coaches that, mm-hmm. that helped me along the way, but it's everything that I dreamed of mm-hmm. and everything I wanted, uh, plus more being here, now that I'm here. Um, but yeah, Juco is definitely a grind for sure, mm-hmm. and you know, you you can see that throughout the whole country with, with guys that go that you cover up.
0: That's awesome. So <clears throat> Coach Roderick, last year during the bowl prep, uh, yeah. we, we asked him, like, is there somebody in, in during this bowl p- season that stood mm. out to you? He said, first name out of his mouth, Lee Salatai. Yes, he also added the fact he thought you were NFL quality. What does mm. that mean to you to have your offensive coordinator think that you have the capability of playing on Sundays at some point?
1: It's, it's a blessing, for sure. Um, it's crazy, too. Like, yeah. it's mind-blowing, for one, but um, Coach is amazing. Does everything he has, like, he does for our offense, and um, he's always involved in all, a lot of the position groups. It's so definitely um, a part of our O-line, and um, it's a pleasure to be coached by him.
0: Now, he's a guy who's had a very established offense here, but the offensive line's yeah. a little bit in flux this year. A, yeah. lot, a lot of changes along mm-hmm. that. Where do, you, where, where do you think you'll factor in? Are you, are you playing tackle, guard? Where mm-hmm. are you playing at?
1: Um, right now, I'm kind of been getting reps at guard and tackle, okay. um, but but honestly, I, I just want to fit in wherever I can help, you know, our team be the best we can be. But it is definitely different losing, you know, a lot of a lot of key pieces uh, this past offseason, like you've seen Blake uh, Blake Freeland and um, a lot of the boys that did depart. But we do, we do have a lot of young talent and young young guys that you know are ready to
0: make a name for themselves. Now, did you watch Blake at the combine? He went crazy, man. Yeah. Like, okay, you're as tall as he is. Like, are you able to jump 37 inches?
1: I don't know, man. I, I've never tried. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but yeah, he Blake is a freak, man. He's a freak of nature. Yeah. And he's gonna be a blessing to whatever team that you know picks him. But that was crazy.
0: How much did you learn from guys like him? I know Clark Barrington was a guy that you mm-hmm. probably looked up to. Joe Tuglaw. Yeah, like, Joe. All those guys. Like, how much? How important were those guys for you in terms of, I guess, getting into the yeah. culture here?
1: They were a big. They were a big. Uh, a big piece of. of if you know my development early, because mm-hmm. I came in, I did come in late in fall camp. Yeah. Um, you know, having those guys, Blake Freeland, mm-hmm. um, Joe Guafu, Clark Barrington, all like the Barrington brothers and Kingsley as well. Like they, they right when I came in, they, you know, they, they welcomed me with open arms. Mm-hmm. Um, but one thing, key thing that I did learn was um, preparation, um, knowing, knowing what you have to do, knowing what to do from every position because it just makes it easier for you. Um, and that's one thing that I did take from those guys.
0: What is the main thing or things you're focusing on here in Spring Ball? Um, right now, uh, one,
1: uh, two things that I'm really focused on is like um, finishing plays and um, trying to stay stay low because I'm a really tall guy. So, <laughs> um, average, my right? biggest, yeah, yeah, trying to trying to find the balance between um, being full running full speed but also staying low uh, in my pass.
0: How difficult can that can that be? Because you're all six yeah. eight.
1: <laughs> it's pretty it's pretty hard, <laughs> but. You know, um, uh, it's just another challenge that I have to, you know, work with and compete, you know, to conquer. So,
0: Last thing for me, how excited are you to be a part of a program that's going into the Big 12 and playing against the best of the best? And I'm
1: super excited for, you know, um, our team. We're, we have a bunch of great guys, and we're led by a great coaching staff, so super pumped for it.
0: There you go, Lee Salatai, BYU offensive lineman, and big thank you to him for taking the time to join us here on Locked on Cougars, and really enjoyed getting to know him, and you can tell he's a guy who's eager to go out and show what he's capable of doing, and uh, you can tell that he has taken to heart a lot of the lessons. Guys like the Barrington Brothers, Joe Tukuafu, Harris LeChance, Blake Freeland, uh, tried to instill upon him last year, uh, joining the BYU football program. The other thing about it is, I I forgot this, but he mentioned it during that interview. He actually came to BYU late in training camp, so he expected to compete for more playing time earlier on, but had he had shown up maybe earlier on in training camp last August, he would have had a bigger opportunity to do that. But he made a very strong impression uh, during the season, and as I mentioned, Aaron Roderick last uh, bowl season made it very clear that he thinks that there's NFL potential for Lee Solitai. He is as tall as Blake Freeland. He's got the same type of wingspan. You could see that uh, with me uh, just in terms of the sheer disparity in our size, but Always good to catch up with a young man like that, and it's cool to hear him talk about the fact that he signed with Kalani Satake when he first took over, went on a mission, grades didn't work out, goes to Snow College, makes good on that, finally ends up at BYU after all of that, and now it sure looks like he is going to be a starter for BYU, and I would expect he's either starting at tackle or guard. I'd, I'd pretty much write it in pen at this point. It doesn't matter if it's any of the four spots outside of center on that offensive line. I think you can ink solid tie as a starter this year for BYU and looking forward to seeing what he's capable of doing doing for the BYU football program. All right. Uh, before we go on today's show, we'll wrap up uh, today's podcast with a look back at the final regular season game of the 2013 season and our 155 game recap of all of BYU's independent games. Kind of an off-season project I've taken on. We've had a good time with it. We're almost through three seasons so far of BYU football in that recap. We'll get to that and we'll also uh, catch up on how BYU baseball did down at Utah Tech. We'll get to all of that in just a couple of seconds. First of Word on our friends over at UCCU, it's now the perfect time to open a low rate home equity line of credit from our friends at UCCU. Over time, the value of your home goes up. We all know this; it's called equity. And as you make payments on the balance you owe, it, that goes down. The space in between is equity, and it's yours. A UCCU home equity line of credit can put that equity to lo- to work for you, like finishing your basement or yard, or raising your home's value, or paying off high interest loans and getting out of debt faster, my friends. As far as else can help you with a college or a, a college fund or weddings or piece mindful for what cover comes for whatever, you know, you have a low rate line of credit ready for whatever and whenever. UCCU will also provide you with your very own home equity Visa card, giving you that instant access to your equity. If you already have a home equity with another finance institution, just refinance with UCCU and save. To learn more or start your application today, visit uccu.com or stop by any branch to get started. Once again, that's UCCU. Love where you bank. Thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. Always appreciate you guys taking the time to check out the show. You guys make uh, the show go. If you guys don't watch and or support this podcast, the venture is shot. Uh, that's a simple fact of the matter. So thank you for your support as always. We love being the only daily podcast that you can rely on with regards to BYU sports. But a couple of notes before we go on today's show is BYU baseball was in action Uh, Yesterday, down at Utah Tech, their first in-state game of the season. They previously had had a game against UVU canceled due to the weather, but BYU went down uh, to Utah Tech and in a slugfest fell short. The Trailblazers winning ten to nine, BYU uh, falling short. Obviously, after a pretty successful weekend last weekend, uh, winning two of three over Milwaukee in their home opening series. But a tough loss for BYU baseball. They'll be back in action uh, coming up this weekend. We'll update you on that as the week progresses. But uh, uh, a hard-fought uh, slugfest loss down there at Carl... Is it Carl Brooksfield, if I recall correctly, down there? That might be the softball field at Utah Tech, but regardless, uh, tough loss for BYU baseball. Now, the final note before we go on today's show is a look back at one of the 155 games that BYU has played. Uh, that They had played as a member... Uh, not a member, but as an independent football program. We've been going through these game-by-game, season-by-season, and we wrap up the 2013 regular season today by looking back at a 28-23 to 23 win over the Nevada Wolfpack. It was late November, November 30th, 2013, and this was a game, I remember watching this, I was actually watching it at home with my dad, Um, I didn't have any responsibilities on radio uh, during this game, so I'm sitting there watching it, and this was a game, if you guys recall, was just an absolutely, a Abysmal first half of BYU. Zero points. Nevada had scored a touchdown early on to lead 7-0. And it led me thinking after the loss to Notre Dame the week before, I'm like, man, they got a major hangover effect here. Are, are they going to go out and yak one up to a, a bad Nevada team? Nevada was four and seven coming into this game. They were not going bowling. Uh, and they obviously were playing for pride on senior night. But in the second half, I termed this the Taysom Hill and Jamal Williams show. We all know how good those two became. They are both guys who are multimillionaires now in their NFL careers. This was a game, though, that in the second half, they took over and led BYU to the win. Taysom Hill ended up completing 14 of 18 passes for just 98 yards, but did throw two touchdown passes in this win. But more importantly, BYU as a team hauled uh, in, but ran for 394 yards. With Taysom Hill and Jamal Williams at the peak of their powers, BYU was as good as any rushing team uh, when they were able to do it. 45 carries, 394 yards, an average of 8.8 yards per carry for BYU. Also, Jamal Williams had a touchdown. You remember that 66-yard touchdown run? Uh, pretty of an iconic moment in this game when he just he broke free and was just um, nobody around him. And he just bust down the center of the field for a touchdown. Really broke things open for BYU as they scored 28 points in the second half en route to a 28-23 victory to cap the regular season at 8-4. Uh, BYU had previously accepted an invite to the Craft uh, Fight Hunger Bowl out in the Bay Area uh, to play the bowl season. It was actually one of the few uh, post-Christmas bowl games BYU would play in their independent era. Uh, obviously, we're, we found out after this game that, uh, on Bowl Selection Sunday that they would play the University of Washington. And uh, obviously, Steve Sarkeesian had been the head coach at Washington. They made a move, and we'll talk about what happened in that bowl game tomorrow. But the more important thing is Jamal Williams in this game came alive. 15 carries, 219 yards against the Wolfpack. When you average 14.6 yards per carry, you know you've had an incredible night. And Jay Swag, daddy, as you all know him, was just coming into his own, a guy that really embraced all of what BYU was. And the thing about this is is I love what Jamal Williams did for BYU, and he's continued to be a really, really good example of a BYU alum. Same thing with Taysom Hill. He ended up running for 154 yards, averaging a pretty healthy 5.9 yards per carry as BYU won this game. He had... Touchdown passes to both J.D. Falls, Kanye Kanye friel in that win. But a pretty successful season for BYU in 2013, capping at 8-4. and four. The bowl Bull game didn't go so good, but we'll talk more about that on tomorrow's edition of the podcast. So that's going to do it for today's show. A big thank you once again for your guys' support of the venture as always. Cannot thank you guys enough for downloading, watching, uh, liking, subscribing, rating, reviewing, leaving us five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts all the support you guys give us absolutely love it but I'm going to give you my final request on today's show if you have questions it's a mailbag Thursday tomorrow on the podcast you got your questions submit them now via social media Facebook Instagram or Twitter search out Locked On Cougars I am also on Twitter with my personal account you can drop me a note there Jacob C. Hatch or you can also email us lockedonbyu at gmail dot com is the email address and of course we'll get to as many of those as we can on tomorrow's podcast so once again thank you for making us your first listen of the day now go make your second listen our friends over at the Locked On Big 12 podcast get caught up on everything going on in big 12 sports football basketball and beyond get that free and available wherever you get your podcasts it's also available on youtube until tomorrow my friends have a great one this has been the locked on cougars podcast see ya